0: So every time I come here, Joe greets me, and Joe says, how was your week? Like a game show host, how was your week, right? Joe with his deep game show-like voice, how was your week, Pastor Jay? And I, I, I had to think about it, right? But as I remember this week, it wasn't good. <laughs> so there, were, there, were, there were moments of great joy, and there were moments of great um, suffering. I want to ask you, right, how was your week? Or to imitate Joe, how was your week? Right? Did you suffer any trials this last week? Right? Did you have any issues at work, home, conflict with your husband and wife, boyfriend, girlfriend? Did you face various kinds of trials in the past week? I have. Thursday evening. I'm sorry. If it's when Thursday, 12 a.m., 2 a.m., that's still Wednesday. That's still Thursday, right? Right, Thursday, 12 a.m. I was working. 2 a.m. I was working, and I discovered I thought I messed up a case. You ever have, you, you have, ever had have one of those? God knows what I'm talking about. You're working furiously, and you realize that you messed something up. The moment you realize, when I realize, what I feel like is I feel that my world condenses and is about to fall apart. I feel, That's all I I hear. And then I feel my world shaking and falling apart. Have you ever felt that way? No? Man, I wish I had your job. Right? And then that happened to me on Thursday Thursday morning. And then all throughout the week, what I was thinking about was this pastor, a very famous pastor um, whose son is a very public atheist. I'm not going to tell you the name of the pastor because I don't think it's appropriate to use someone's name right as a sermon illustration, especially their pain. But this pastor has, is really well-known, helped a lot of people, helped a lot of us here in this room. But he has a son who is not only an atheist, but a very vocal atheist who derides, who makes fun of the Christian faith. All the stuff that 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 son knew when he was growing up, the Bible. He uses it to insult the Bible. And I was thinking about that pastor. How do you think the pastor feels? I think the pastor is suffering. Because his son has like almost a million followers on TikTok. I've never used TikTok. I don't know what TikTok is, but evidently he has a million followers on TikTok. Something from China, right? China owns TikTok? Imagine what the pastor feels like when his son is publicly shaming the very foundation of the father's life. What kind of trials and suffering have you endured this past week? If you have not endured any suffering, praise the Lord. But wait, sufferings are coming, right? For those of us who are endured, whether it is a small thing or whether it's a big thing, suffering is unpleasant. When you went through, when you underwent through these different types of trials this past week, did you do what James chapter 1 verse 2 says? Did you consider it joy? When you faced a trial, did you look at it and even though for a moment you, you must have been shaking, just like I was, at the end of it, Did you have joy? Joy because you knew that specific suffering that you went through this past week was there to test your faith. That God allowed that specific suffering that you went through so that He will build His enduring strength in you. So that God allowed you to go through that suffering because through that suffering He wants He wants to make you perfect and complete. Did you have that mindset? when you are suffering this past week. If you think about it, what James is asking for us to do, what God is asking us to do in James chapter 1 verse 2 is impossible. Right? Look, the most natural response that we can show when we're suffering is that we hurt. Right? When we think our world is ending because of a mistake that we've made. The most natural thing is for us to be depressed and angry and bitter. Not joyous. Look, I listen to a lot of debates with atheists. That's my YouTube go-to, right? I spend a lot of time just listening to debates with atheists. And there are a lot of atheists, you know, around. But the most effective atheists, that that I listened to, were those who were once Christian but who left the faith, just like the pastor's son. And the number one reason why all these former Christians leave the church, they were in the church in their teens, when they were young, teens, 20s, even 30s, they were in the church. By the time they're middle age, they all leave. And the number one reason why these atheists left is the problem of suffering. They can't understand how a loving God allows suffering in this world. They're like Job's wife. Remember Job? I'm having a month-long like, quiet time on Job. When Job and his family suffered, they lost their homes, their property, their children. Job lost his health. Job's wife, as she experiencing these sufferings, told Job, Hey, Job, you should just curse God and die. And she left him. In the midst of the horrible suffering that family endured, Job's wife looked at the suffering and says, God doesn't exist. Job, you should curse God and die. And that's the mentality of these atheists, former Christian atheists now. Former Christians were not atheists. Suffering. They couldn't get their heads around it. How loving God would allow suffering. So they left the faith. Honestly, you blame them? In one sense, we can't because it is the most natural thing in the world to be angry, bitter, depressed when we go through various trials. So what, Joel, what God is asking us to do in James chapter 1 is impossible. And that is absolutely right. And God agrees with that. That is why, because God knows that suffering Having joy in suffering is not natural. That is why in verse 5, which we're going to talk about today, God says, if anyone of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. James is saying, in order, to have, in order for you to have joy in the midst of your trials, because it is not a natural thing for us to have joy when we go through trials, we need a supernatural intervention when we, to turn those trials into joy. We need a supernatural intervention for our minds to be reformed so that we can look at that source of suffering as a source of joy. How do you do that? God needs to give you wisdom. Wisdom isn't isn't something that is from within us. Wisdom is something that is outside of us. And God is the one who gives wisdom. How do you find joy in the midst of suffering? You need to ask God for wisdom. We need to ask God for his wisdom. Comprende, por favor? What is wisdom? Let's talk about what wisdom is. Wisdom is the right, use of, the right use or exercise of knowledge. Once again, wisdom is the right, the proper use of exercise of knowledge. Basically, wisdom is knowledge and action. You know stuff, and that knowledge of that thing that you know transforms the way you live. That's wisdom. Having knowledge of itself is not wisdom. Trying to act a certain way without knowledge, that's not wisdom. It has to be both. Knowledge that leads to right course of action, that's wisdom. Let's talk about the knowledge portion of this definition. What is the knowledge that is required to get wisdom? The knowledge that is required to get wisdom starts from the fear of the Lord. The knowledge that that is required for us to give godly wisdom is is the knowledge that comes as our minds recognize that God created the heavens and the earth. I'm sorry, Biblical wisdom comes, number one, when our minds recognize that God exists. And number two, he created the heavens and the earth. And number three, he is reality itself. He is the architect, the maintainer, and the planner of reality. That's why, it is Proverbs 1, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The, 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 The Proverbs is saying, Proper wisdom comes when we fear the Lord. The word fear means, doesn't mean necessarily trembling fear because you think you're going to go to hell. Right? That's not really what it means. It could involve that. But that's not not what really it means in, in Proverbs 1. The word fear means having an awe. Respect. Love. Like Patriot guys how they look at Tom Brady, right? <gasps> Love, respect, all—that oh. is so idolatry, isn't it? Hey, you football guys, think about that, right? Right. But fear of the Rhythm is having that kind of awareness, devotion, understanding, acceptance of the reality of God. Knowledge that starts from that point is wisdom. We all get me? We understand? Having knowledge, having information about things doesn't make you wise. Right? Having a lot of information about things does not make you a wise person. It is interpreting all the information that we have through the lens of the fact that God is God is God is real. God created the heavens and the earth. He is the architect of reality, funneling every information that we have in the light of this truth is wisdom. What did I try to say? There's something that I really, okay. Um, The best intellectuals of the world have knowledge, have information, right? Because all the atheists that I listen to, they're really smart people. They're physicists, they're astrophysicists, they're evolutionary biologists. They're all, they're all these really smart people. They, they went to Harvard, they went to Stanford, right? All the schools that we wish our kids to go to, right? By the way, the more I listen to these guys, the more I don't want my kids to go to Harvard. Anyway, right? Because, you no, know, Harvard people are crazy. No offense to anyone to Harvard, right? They may have all this intelligent pedigree behind them. But when they advocate, if you listen to their argument against God, it's a very shallow understanding of who God is. They reject the idea of God because in their mind, God is this bearded fella up in the clouds, right? Like Santa Claus. That's their like, depiction of God. And because they say that God is clearly a fake, God doesn't exist. And when they say God doesn't exist, even though they may have specific information about a subject area, they lack, they, don't, they I don't, I don't think they have a real understanding of reality. They're fools. Even though they have so many information, so much information, God, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 would say, they're fools. Because they have no understanding of God. All the information that they have. Still make them fools because they have a shallow understanding of God. By the way, those people, when they look at us, will make a, will tell us that we're crazy. Right. But The Bible is saying, if you have a shallow understanding of God, all the information that you have will not make you wise. You still remain a fool. But when you have the fear of the Lord, when you know God exists, then every knowledge that you, every information that you gain in this world, all the information goes back to God. One of the, I don't subscribe to a lot of YouTube channels. I subscribe to one comic book channel, as one should, right? And, I, and, and another YouTube channel that I subscribe to, right? I, I, I recently described what, Just recently discovered what subscribing to YouTube is. It means you get their uploads, right? Oh, it's great. Another YouTube channel that I subscribe to is this YouTube channel called Discovery Science. And that YouTube channel is about leading scientists who are Christians, right, who share their discovery. And all the new things that they discover, they point it back to God. One of the foremost experts of nanotechnology, I have no idea what nanotechnology is, He's a Christian. And every new discovery of nanotechnology, he said, yeah, that's God. I feel the same. What, you, you know what i about? If you have the knowledge of God, every new discovery that you make, you point it back to God. Like me, when I discover, like, Batman, right? Like, I was, I was listening to comic books, like, YouTube channel about Batman, and I could say, yeah, like, God. Batman points to God right joker is but it's a man in sin right like totally irrational right chaos right (gasps) praise god when you have the knowledge when you begin your knowledge with the fear of the lord with the understanding that god exists everything comes back to god and that makes you wise. are you with me the knowledge, the, beginning, the knowledge part of wisdom is recognizing first that God exists. And everything's about him. The second def- part of the definition of wisdom is not only this understanding of God. You have this understanding of God. But this understanding of God leads you to discern right and wrong. And makes you choose to do right over wrong. Wisdom has a moral part. True wisdom leads to right behavior, knowing, discerning right and wrong. All the information that we have, even if it's information about God, if it doesn't lead to right behavior, righteous behavior, then that's not wisdom. We talked about this, right? This really well-famous Christian apologist. Spent his entire life talking about God. But in his private life, it was a mess. He hurt so many people. When you look at his YouTube clips, he seems wise. But when you look at his personal life, you knew he was a fool. Because he didn't do what was right. All the information in the world will not Make you wise. Look, I have a phone. I have a phone over there. In your pockets, all of us here, in your pockets, you have literally—is it literally or figuratively? It's literally right? Literally, you have all the information that has ever existed in humanity. Right? It's only a, a one second away. Don't you do this? I do it all the time. I just like type in vague like really obscure searches in chrome right and chrome hasn't failed me yet i get information about everything the question is has that technology made people made people kinder have that technology have made us choose over right over wrong have all that information Made society into a more, made people into better human beings. Technology has made people into more productive human beings. Let's not argue that, but it hasn't cured us of our social ills. All the information of the world, including the information about God, will not necessarily make you why. One of my favorite Tim Keller example is this. He said. He quotes. He, he illustrates an example from Beatrice Webb. Beatrice Webb was a founder of the school of, London, school of London, London School of Economics (LSE). LSE is one of the top business schools in the world. If you have an LSE degree, man, you are a smart person. She founded the London School of Economics because her and her husband founded London School of Economics in the 1800s, I think, because she believed that if you just educate people well enough, right? if you educate the citizens of London well enough, then those educated citizens will cure the social harms of the country. She tried her best to educate promising young men, not women because, you know, women weren't really allowed to go to school back then. She educated all these promising young men all this philosophy and theory and all these things. At the end of her life, she discovers she failed. Giving people information doesn't make them want to choose right over, right over wrong. Only godly wisdom can do that. It is when God gives you knowledge of who he is, and his Holy Spirit testifies to your heart about the veracity of who he is, that understanding gives you wisdom. And the way you know that you have wisdom is if you choose right over wrong. Such wisdom does not lie within you. It lies from God. comprende? Wisdom Wisdom not, is not found in you. It's found outside of you. It is not from your mind. It's from the mind that is above your mind. When a mind above your mind comes into your mind and influences you, that's how you get wisdom. That is why, verse 5, James is saying, if you lack wisdom, let him ask God. James is not saying, if you lack wisdom, just, you know, research more, read more books. That's not what he's saying, right? He's saying, if you don't have wisdom... You know, go travel Europe and maybe you'll get wisdom that way. He's not saying that. Do people do that still? Like, I want to find myself by going to Europe. Do they still do that? James is not saying that, right? James is not saying, hey, go backpack, like travel Asia to get wisdom. He's saying if you lack wisdom, all you need to do is ask God. The word ask here means pray. Pray for wisdom. How do you get wisdom? Pray for wisdom. Because God is the source of wisdom. Jesus Christ is the logos. Logos means he is the logic of the the universe. Asking him means you are tapping into his unlimited resources. And him giving you his resources to you. That's how you get wisdom. But asking the source of all wisdom for wisdom. Look, one of the benefits of my law practice is I love working for my partner. And I hope he listens to the sermon. Right? Man, I really appreciate you, man. Right? He's so, and the the reason I like working with him is because he's arguably the smartest guy that I know. And if I, am, if I am in a pickle, right, I ask him questions. So he has a, first I go to his database. He has a database of all his experience. And I go to his database. If I don't know something, I go to his database to find something that I don't know. If I don't know, if I can't find that information, I go and ask him. He's always ready and willing to give me answers. By the way, for your young po- for your young folks let me give you a little bit of career advice before you go ask your partner or your manager a question what what he or she will appreciate is if you try to make an effort on your own first to discover the answer i knows what i'm talking about rather than going directly for a question you should you make an effort right and you give him options this is the problem i think this is the option or this is the option right and i go to him with these options and then he tells me the answer. If I go to him and says, I don't know, can you tell me the answer? He'll think I'm an idiot, right? So, Young people, career advice. Before asking your manager for questions, try to make an effort. Right, John? John knows what I'm talking about, right? But anyway, all his resources, my partner's resources that are available, if I just go to him, he will provide me with that answer. That's what's going on here. God is saying, you want wisdom? Come and ask. Especially, do you want to have, in order for you to have joy in your suffering, you need wisdom. Do you want to know spiritual insights behind your suffering? Ask God. And I'll give it to you. Look this is to be carefully once again this wisdom is in the context of suffering in trials right what will make our trials durable not only endurable but in fact the source of blessing is in the midst of your trial if you when you go to god he will give you an insight when you get insight in the midst of your suffering that insight, that understanding, that wisdom that God gives you will be the source of joy. So even though you're still in pain, when God gives you the insight in the pain, that pain becomes endurable. And also you can find joy and hope in the midst of that pain. It's weird. It's strange. But I think that's true. Look, pastor that I love so much, Pastor Andy Davis, he says about this verse, in the context here in James, perhaps the first thing a suffering Christian needs is wisdom concerning the trial. And that is the very thing James is doing here, showing you the direct connection between the trials and God's saving work in your souls. Andy Davis is saying every trial, and James confirms it, is designed to for God to make your soul mature. Right? He uses every trial to do that. When you ask God for wisdom. And when he gives you the wisdom to see how he's using that trial to make you stronger. And why you need to go through that suffering. Then you go, oh yeah, yeah, that's what I need. And then you can endure it. Look. In my life, I went through many, many different pain. Many, a lot. I can write a book about it. I'll write it when I'm dead, right? It's a lot of pain. And there's also been a lot of joyful joyful moments. But I'm telling you, as a man who's going to turn 50 in two months, right? As a man who's going to turn 50 in two months, I'm telling you, it is in the storms of life, the darkness of my life, where I got Deep insights into God, into the gospel, into my need for him, and especially of his existence. It is not when things were all rosy. It is not when I'm in the beach getting a tan or riding the waves that I get insight. even though I sometimes do. God is like the large ocean, right? Yeah, that's fine. But the personal insights that transforms my mind, that makes me a better preacher, those nuggets are in the pain, in the suffering, in the trial. When I walk with God in the midst of those trials and ask him for wisdom, he has never failed me. He always speaks to me. That's what James verse one five is telling you. God will give you wisdom generously if you ask for it. This is writer named Daniel Ritchie. He writes for Desiring God. I was as I was preparing for the sermon, I ran into his his work. Daniel Ritchie doesn't have arms. He was born without arms. And this is what he wrote. A little bit long, but stay with me. Everyone, focus. This is what he wrote. I was born without arms. That is the best way to summarize my story. I stepped into suffering at birth. I stepped into suffering at birth. My physical body is a billboard for my pain. This has brought brought mocking, crude jokes, stares, and the constant feeling that I am not like anyone else that I meet. I have never been able to hide. Many people can bury their pain, but my heartache is written all over my two empty sleeves. The two empty sleeves on his shirt is a billboard of his pain. Those sleeves tell a story without my mouth Without my mouth saying a word. My pain almost swallowed me. But Christ showed me. How much greater he was. Than my empty sleeves. I used to think. That being born without arms. Was the most horrible thing. That could could happen to a person. In Christ. He has helped me say. That the worst and the most painful thing. That has ever happened to me. It's also the best thing that, ever, that has ever happened to me. I am thankful for my pain. All of the frustration that has come with it has reaped a bounty that I, I never could have produced on my own. God stepped in and carried me along in my weakness. Letting me taste his strength, grace, love in new ways. In my pain, he has magnified So many of his attributes in his armless life. Could we even imagine what that guy's life has been? In the midst of that man's suffering that he had since birth, God spoke to him. God continually speaks to him. He hears the voice of God. Through the pain. And when he does. That man knows that he's blessed. That's exactly what James chapter 1 is talking about. In your trial. Trust me when I say you need wisdom. It doesn't matter what trial it is. Whether it is, whether it is being physically born without arms. Or whether it is being married to a person that you thought you knew but didn't. Or whether it is serving an unreasonable client, which I know firsthand what that, what that feels like. Whether it means fe- facing your constant failures. Whether, whether it means being part of a family that is causing you pain. Whatever pain that it is. When you ask God's wisdom in the midst of that pain, he's going to give it to you. He's going to speak to you. He's going to let you know. He's going to give you insights. That insight will turn your pain into joy. All we need to do is ask God. Because his character, according to verse what verse is it? Verse 5. Is he gives generously to all without reproach. What does it mean to give without reproach? He doesn't. He's not angry at you for asking dumb questions. He's not saying, again? You know what I mean? Man, sometimes. I'm glad that my daughter's not watching this. When I not teaching her math? It's the same problem over and over and over again. I go, oh. Right? God's not like that. Even if you have failed multiple times in multiple years, and even if, even if you don't get it, he will always give his wisdom to you. He will. But there is a condition to get God's wisdom. He's generous for writing wisdom. That's true. There's a condition. What is that condition? Verse 5. But let him ask in faith. With no doubting. For the one who, who doubts is like a wave of the sea. That is driven, tossed, and by, tossed by the wind. In order for you to get God's wisdom. You need to have faith. Not doubt. What is faith? Faith number one is knowing that God exists. Writer of Hebrews says. You cannot please God without faith. And faith is you know you need to know that God exists. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Number one condition of faith is, number one, you need to know that he exists. And number two, you need to know what he says is true. Number three, because you know he exists and because you know what he says is true, you trusted him, you believe in him, and you rely upon him and you depend upon him. You know that he exists. You know what he says is true. Therefore, you will depend on him. You will obey him. And you will follow him. That's what faith is. Knowing that God exists, knowing what he says is true, knowing that he's going to speak to you. And depending on that, that's faith. What is doubt that James warns about? James is warning Doubt is being a double-minded, having dual loyalties. Doubt, James talks about here. Mic is off. It's okay. You can listen to me, right? We're, we're all good. Doubt is having dual loyalty. Doubt is knowing God exists, but letting the other forces of your life whether that be your friends, whether that be your own perceptions or judgments, whether that be your, I don't know, family members, whatever, or voice of society or philosophy, whatever it is, having doubt means, even though you may know God exists, there are stronger voices in your head that you want to listen to other than God. That's what doubt means. Doubt here doesn't mean. In this context, it doesn't mean whether you think God exists or not. That's not the doubt that James is talking about. Doubt is people who kind of know that God exists, but choosing to listen to other voices, forces of your life rather than God. Example of such person. And I'm not, this is not an example from real life at all, right? I don't, right? Generally speaking. The type of person like this. yeah when they go through problems, they go, yeah, I'm going to pray about it. Right? And maybe they ask, maybe they do pray about it. Maybe they, they then like spend two minutes, they say, oh, God help me. Right? And they do kind of go to God. But majority of their time, they think about suffering. The issue of their suffering. They think about, the, they, they, they let the voices in their heads override The truth of God. God wants to speak to you. Speak to you. But you don't give him the chance. Because we're too preoccupied. With the other voices of our head. In our heads. Maybe the voice in our head says. Is constantly saying that you're right. That the other person is wrong. Maybe the voice in your head is saying. I don't know. Like listen to worldly psychologists. Rather than God. Whatever it is, there are other forces in your life that you choose to listen to other than God. That's the doubter. That's the double-minded person. This such a person is, they may come to church on Sunday, but they don't spend time with God at all. Listen, wisdom happens within the context of prayer. Prayer happens in the context with, with you walking with God, right? This person may come to church once in a while, but they don't walk with God at all. In their personal life. Why don't they walk with God at all? Because they choose. Because they think there's another truth. Outside of, him, outside of God. Therefore they don't give God. The opportunity to speak to them. Such a person. Is a double minded person. James is saying. It's like a wave being tossed. Back and forth. Waves are like. They're directionless. Yeah, I know we all like they all flow in one direction, but if you look at the waves individually, they go by where the wind blows. They go this way, they go that way, they go up and down, up and down. Right? It's not they're not stable. Such a person is like if you don't let God speak to you, and if you choose to listen to other voices in your head, like the Psalm 73 says, you're like a brute beast you just governed by your desires and feelings and thoughts. You, you think of this thought. And you think of that thought. You think of this perception and that perception. It's unstable. When you shut God out. And all you are left are the voices in your head. You're unstable. There are no insights. There's just confusion. And anger. And bitterness. And hopelessness. For those of you who don't do quiet time. This is a loving rebuke by your pastor. Because I love you. I'm saying this. If there's no personal devotion in your life with the Lord. I'm really sorry to say. You may be a double minded person. And you are not letting God give you wisdom. Trust me when I say we need God's wisdom in every area of your life, of, of our lives. We do. I know in this context we're talking about suffering, but in the other context of your life, whether it is raising your kids, trust me when I say you need God's wisdom when you, when you raise your kids. In your relationship with your spouse, trust me when I say, and a lot of, lot, many of you can vouch for me, you need wisdom to, to be able to love your spouse. To be a lawyer, trust me when I say you need God's wisdom to be a lawyer. John Kim will say, trust me, when you're a CFO of an organization, you need God's wisdom to be a CFO. You need God's wisdom in every facet of your life. You need to listen to his voice and he will give it to you. He says he will and he will. But if you're not walking with him, if you're not doing quiet time with him, you are shutting his voice out of your life and you are not getting his wisdom. He's not going to give you his wisdom to you. Why? You need to humble yourself. And ask wisdom. Maybe the most disciplined part of your life that you need. The most disciplined area of your life that you need is to make yourself walk with him. Maybe there's no easy way around it. Maybe you need to really make yourself get up. For me, I choose to walk with God literally every morning. Because I woke up I until 2 in the morning and I wake up and my mind is not fresh. So I need to walk with Him and I listen to Him and I listen to His Word. I walk with Him and I pray. That's how I know. That's how I need to spend time with Him. Maybe you need that too. But whatever it is, you need to discipline yourself, to walk with him, to ask, ask him wisdom. Otherwise, you, you'll be like a brute beast. Look, the thing that puzzles me ever since I was a kid is when Christians pray, you know, if they have a problem, if they have a decision, they pray. And you know, like they pray that God will give them peace. And I think that's good. And I think I made that prayer, too. And I think having, asking God for peace is a good prayer request. But what puzzles me is I don't know what that peace looks like. I never experienced like praying over something and God giving me peace. Maybe you have. I've never experienced that. What I have experienced is God ask, me asking God for wisdom. And when God gives me wisdom, that wisdom gives me peace. So for those of you who are going through trials and difficulties and uncertainties, what you need to ask for is wisdom. But when you ask for wisdom, know that he exists. Know that he'll speak to you. Know what he says is true. And trust in what he says. That's what you need. Maybe the greatest wisdom that you and I need is for God to convince you of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ the greatest wisdom that we need is for us to be absolutely convinced that the gospel is true. And I think many trials, are, If I, I don't want to generalize, but I will generalize. I think all, at least for me, all the main, main pains that I went through, trials that I go, even now, the trials that I go through, I think, God's main purpose behind it is for, me, for him to constantly persuade me that the gospel is true. I thought I knew the gospel, but I don't really know the gospel. And the only way that I really knew the gospel was through these trials. My wife's going to kill me when I say, what was the first trial that made me understand the gospel? Breaking up or being dumped by my girlfriend in college? How dare she? Yes, right. She, she said no. How dare she? I showed her by living well. No, I'm not bitter at all. But in the moment, in the breakup, because I've never f- ever experienced break, like heart like that. What encouraged me? I'm sorry to say, it sounds so hokey and cheesy. But was, as I was going through the heartbreak, I was I was think, reading Jesus's pain on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, in the breakup, I realized that pain of Christ, the abandonment of of God the Father became real. I know it's cheesy. I know it's corny. But God used it to make me understand the gospel. All the pain in our lives, I think God is allowed so that you will have a deepening understanding of the gospel. So in your prayer, number one, application, number one, make yourself walk with the Lord and seek his wisdom. His wisdom comes from his word. His wisdom comes from godly counsel. If you need wisdom, I'm not the wisest guy in the world. Pastor Wujin is wiser than I, I suppose. But if you need counsel, let us know. We'll counsel you. God counsels you through the church. But whatever it is, seek his wisdom. Don't be double-minded. Don't shut his voice out from your life. Make yourself walk with him. and I promise you he will reveal himself to you. Let us pray.